Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Dan Chronicles newsletter, which is to be listened in conjunction to reading the email newsletter that I send every month via danberg.substack.com. Danberg, obviously, two ends. Um, yeah, and I put together this little podcast just because I like talking and I like talking about the things that I put in my newsletter. And I thought some people might find it interesting, but for me, it's mostly just to hear my own voice. Uh, and on that topic, this month in the newsletter, I link to a blog post because apparently I had a lot of stuff to say about this this month, but we're coming up on about two years of doing this email newsletter. I started it during kind of peak covid during isolation really is a way to like stay connected with people even though newsletter is largely like one-way communication like me to the world it definitely does make me feel more connected to people especially in terms of seeing people and having them ask me about the newsletter or talking about different topics or us realizing that we have some interests in common so it's been really great to host the newsletter and to also do this podcast. And so I wrote an article for my website, danb.org, uh, about kind of why I send this newsletter and what I get out of it. Because, I mean, it's no small feat, right? So this newsletter, I spend several hours every month on it. So I would say probably in the range of like three to four hours total each month working on it. So it's not like a small task per se. I mean, it's not the biggest, but it's also not small. And I'm not monetizing it in any way. I'm not like selling ads or doing anything else like that. I'm not really trying to push new people to sign up, really. So I guess the question is for a lot of people on the outside is like, why? Why am I doing this? Uh, which I think is a very valid question. Um, but the answer has a lot to do with just... Um, Again, wanting to stay connected to people, using it as a way to process my thoughts. Um, and also the one of the big things that I pay attention to, uh, I mean, I don't really want to, but it's just where my mind goes, is my input and output ratio, right? So like, I love consuming content. I, I love video games. I talk about a video game in this newsletter. I like watching movies. I watch TV shows. But if I just watch a bunch of stuff and don't actually create anything myself, I feel like my ratio is all off, right? So I need to create stuff as well. And so having a monthly newsletter and a monthly podcast like this helps me feel like my own personal uh, ratio is more balanced, which just at the end of the day makes me feel better. So that's what that's all about. If you want to learn more, I have some stuff on my blog. Um, and I've been feeling inspired to write on my blog recently, which I've been super excited about. So pay attention to my website. You might see some articles that you like as well as uh, this newsletter that I put out, as well as this podcast that you're listening to. Now it's time for the stories. Okay, so the first article this month is about a fantastic new search engine. Um, if you can consider search engines fantastic. Uh, and this goes towards the movement of moving away from Google. I don't know if anybody else is thinking about this or has read about it or anything, but there are certain people, myself included, that sort of want to explore the idea of leaving Google. Um, and if you kind of like think about what that means, it's kind of an ambitious uh, 
task for anybody that exists online at all, right? Because Google and Google services are everywhere. Usually people use it for email, people use it for search, people often use it as a web browser, people use it for docs, people use it for everything. Like they have free versions for everything. But the way that Google supports itself as a business is ads, right? And the way that they sell those ads is they invade your privacy. Well, I I mean, invade your privacy is a loaded word. Basically, users in exchange for giving Google data about themselves get a free product, which is the entire economy that the entire web was built on, like it has its place. But at the end of the day, I want there to be alternatives for people that care about that and people that are willing to pay for alternatives. Um, Because I mean, paying you giving money for a service is such a clear business transaction. You getting something for free in exchange for a free service is messy inherently. Like you're, there's some way to monetize it and you are the product. And so I, I mean, I would love to move off of Google and I've been slowly making moves to do that over the past months to years. So I would say it first started moving from Google Chrome, which I think is the best browser, to Brave, which is built on Chrome, Chromium, I think it is. So it's built on Chrome, the browser, but it's a more privacy focus. So it has all the ad block and all the anti-tracking built in. So that's an easy one because you just download Brave browser and it works just like Google Chrome and, and you're good. Um, next came moving off of Gmail. Uh, and so I was able to move to Proton Mail, which is again, a paid service, but completely privacy focused. Uh, and that's what I use for my main email now. And it's fantastic. And I haven't looked back. Um, I still use Google calendar for invites and things, but Proton is working on a calendar alternative and hopefully at some point it will be a viable uh, alternative, but it isn't yet. I still use Google Calendar, but for all of my email, I'm using Proton. Uh, but the big one, I feel like the holy grail of leaving Google really is search because Google search is just ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's always been everywhere. And it really gives some good search results. Um, and I, I say good with an asterisk, Ashley, because I feel like the search has gotten worse and worse as time has gone on. Um, but, it, but it's still better than all the alternatives. But I mean, you Google a product review, you're just going to see a bunch of spam and SEO optimized crap at the top, right? And re- really, the only way to get a to get to the root of how good something is, is you type in product name and then the keyword Reddit, because that'll pull up any Reddit posts about the article and those comments you can actually trust because they're actual people. If you're actually like looking at any website, who knows what can be believed or not, and Google is just full of junk. And so for a while now, I've thought Google has been trash, but I tried DuckDuckGo as an alternative and it just wasn't as good, even for all of Google's flaws. And so I went back to Google uh, but that was until this month I discovered Kagi. I think it's Kagi, not Kagi, but it's K-A-G-I. And it's like a, a small, like I hate to say the word artisanal, but like a small alt- artisanal search engine where you pay a monthly fee and you get unlimited search. And man, I must tell you, the search results are awesome. They're fantastic, right? And so to try it out, I switched to Kagi as my main search engine on both my laptop and my phone, and I was shocked because I didn't miss Google. With uh, DuckDuckGo, I missed it, and like I, I after about two weeks, I switched back to Google. But with Kagi, I love it. 
The search results are solid. It's fantastic. They're, it, it's just fast. It's amazing to use. So if you kind of are in that same boat where you're looking to move away from Google since they are kind of a creepy company, um, I highly recommend checking out Kagi because it's the first time that I've discovered a search engine that has made me excited and maybe it'll do the same for you. It's definitely worth a look if you're interested. Speaking of search uh, and kind of going in a completely different direction, um, this bubbled up on LinkedIn for me of all places, which LinkedIn is not usually a place for bubbling up articles in my world, but it caught my eye because it was a video that somebody made explaining how younger the younger generation, Gen Z, doesn't use Google for search anymore. Like I know that they had stopped using Facebook in exchange for like Snapchat and TikTok and all the other kind of apps. But me being an elder millennial, sort of out of touch with these things. But the what she was claiming in this video and in this article was that Gen Z is no longer using Google for search. They're instead replacing it with TikTok for search, which like I use TikTok. I think TikTok is very entertaining, but it kind of blew my mind to use it for search. But apparently she put together this this kind of um, focus group that interviewed a few younger people about this and blew my mind, blew my mind. So if you search for something on TikTok, it'll show you some videos. And apparently, number one, video content is better than reading. They don't want to read anything. They just want to watch it for a couple of seconds, get an answer, and then move on. Um, also, the results are like perfectly tailored to them because TikTok and their crazy personalization algorithm knows you better than anything else. And so it can show you relevant videos immediately. And I mean, at the end of the day, they're just not concerned about uh, misinformation, which I would think would be a big concern because... Yeah, they just like steer clear of topics that are ripe for misinformation. So like health and news, they just don't use search or even think about that stuff. And instead, they'll just search for other topics on TikTok and, and watch the videos, which is wild. It's wild to me. It's wild to me. But I I try hard not to judge anybody that's like, Younger than, because I remember being young and like doing something and having the old fogies be like, how could you do that? And, and me thinking as a young child, like, of course, this is just the future. This is what people do. And like, I know this is in the same category as that, but it just feels weird. It feels weird. Like Google and TikTok are not the same thing, but apparently they are. And so that is just how it is. Moving on, I discovered a new video game and like, I didn't want to discover a new video game. So the story is, uh, I really enjoyed on Nintendo Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, it's a JRPG, like a Japanese RPG, a super long game. Played it over the course of like two years, so really took my time and really enjoyed it. And Nintendo announced a new video game in this trilogy or in this saga, this is the third one, so trilogy, whatever, um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And I was so excited for this. And I've been waiting for almost a year for it to come out. And then it finally came out. I started playing it. It's just as good as I hoped it would be. It's fantastic. So yeah, playing this massive JRPG and enjoying it. Then I see online this new video game that's a roguelike, which... I love roguelikes. It means in the same family as Binding of Isaac. I watched some video gameplay and I was like, oh, this game is like right up my alley. This is addictive in all the ways that I am addicted to video games. So I, I couldn't help myself and I downloaded it and 
I have been playing this instead of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 just obsessively, and I've been loving it so much. And so I don't know if I mentioned the name yet. The name is Cult of the Lamb. And basically, like I said, it's a roguelike. So you go through the run several times. Each run will take like 10 to 20 minutes. And then in between these runs, you manage a colony. So you have a cult and you have followers and you have to indoctrinate them and build things. And it's just kind of like a survival game in that way too. And it like scratches all the itches that I I get for video games. And so uh, I've been spending a lot of my time there and I've been really enjoying it. And if you like Binding of Isaac or you like Hades or you like Stardew Valley or you like Forager or all of these kind of games like Don't Starve, I've heard, I've never actually played Don't Starve, then definitely check out Cult of the Lamb because it's really damn good. Next is a short section. I just wanted to share a little bit about my favorite movies so far of 2022 because I watch a lot of movies. I've seen over 50 movies this year. Uh, And so some of my best, the ones that I like so far this year, I'll just name them here, is uh, Sundown. Fantastic. I saw that in theaters. All My Friends Hate Me, which was a really dark comedy that I thought was really well done. And I haven't really seen that many places. So if you're looking for a dark British comedy, um, although I hate to say a British because it doesn't feel like a British comedy, like a Monty Python, but it's fantastic. All My Friends Hate Me. All My Friends Hate Me. Next, Crimes of the Future, Cronenberg's new film, um, probably one of his more accessible films and just really great concept, really great execution overall fantastic crimes of the future next is pleasure which is a film all about uh the porn industry which extremely graphic so don't watch it with anybody that you wouldn't want to watch a graphic movie about porn with but really interesting look uh at stardom within that industry Um, not without his flaws but also probably uh yeah it definitely on my list this year Uh, And then lastly, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is like my favorite movie of the past several years. So, of course, it's going to be on the list for this year. And lastly, in the newsletter is a section by my wife, Avi. Uh, From time to time, I'll give her a little bit of space in my newsletter to uh, wax poetic about whatever she chooses to. And, And this time she kind of talked about friendship a little bit. And, you know, I think I'll let her take it from here. Hi, I'm Avi, and I'm excited to be here this month. So I decided in this newsletter to talk a bit about friendships. I've been thinking a lot about friendships, uh, especially how friendships have been affected by the pandemic. I have noticed that people have had to rightfully prioritize other things, prioritize their families, their jobs, moving, all sorts of things during the pandemic. and it's felt to me that friendship has really taken a hit, at least it has in my own personal life. So I started reading some friendship books and friendship articles, and I have two that I'd like to recommend to you, uh, one of which is Big Friendship. And that's a book about two friends who work through some rough patches in their relationship. And then I also read this really fantastic article in The Atlantic that talks not uh, – about friendship, but about how we can kind of make peace with how the friendships change. Anyhow, I enjoyed both of these things, and I encourage you to give them a read. Thank you, Avi. And that is the end of my newsletter for this month. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to my actual email newsletter at danberg.substack.com or go to my website at danb, so D-A-N-N-B dot org. 
and check out some of my articles and check out my shop, I guess, and check out the newsletter and do all of that fun stuff. And I'll uh, talk to you guys all next month. <laughs>